Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, we are joined by the one and only Eugene Levy. Eugene is, of course, among the heaviest of hitters in the history of comedy. Hailing from Toronto, he was a founding member of SCTV, the pioneering sketch comedy show that helped launch the careers of Rick Moranis, Catherine O'Hara, John Candy, and many others. Levy has also worked on almost all of Christopher Guest's movies, like Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, usually both on screen and behind the scenes as a co-writer. And who could forget Eugene's role in the American Pie movies? Who's the lucky girl? Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Well, she must be very special. Oh, she's special, all right. Well, I'm sure she is special if you picked her out of the whole bunch. Jim, I'm just going to say one thing before you leave tonight. I want you to be very, very careful when you're putting on the corsage. Most recently, Eugene Levy has been hosting the documentary-style travel series The Reluctant Traveler. It's streaming now on Apple TV+. That show follows Levy as he visits some of the world's most beautiful and intriguing destinations. Costa Rica, Finland, Italy. It's a fun show, definitely worth checking out. And of course, in addition to all of those other things, Eugene Levy is also known for his work on the sitcom Schitt's Creek. That's S-C-H-I-T-T. He co-created the show with his son, Dan Levy. Eugene plays Johnny Rose, the patriarch of a family of socialites who've lost their fortune. Johnny and his wife, Moira, played by Catherine O'Hara, are stuck figuring out what to do next. So, they head to the last place that they can still call their own, the backwoods Canadian town that Johnny bought as a gag gift the year before. Together, the family pieces their life back together. They run a hotel. They get real jobs. It's sort of a mix between Faulty Towers and Green Acres. It stars some of the most brilliant minds in comedy, And when Eugene Levy and I chatted back in 2018, that show was headed into its fifth season. Let's listen to a bit of it. Johnny and his wife Moira are in their room in the motel. Johnny throws wide the curtains, looks out. He's dressed sharp. It seems like the family's settling into their new small town life. Ah, now that is what I call a beautiful morning. Looks like another full house tonight. Things are starting to look up, sweetheart. Big waves, big waves. Oh, yes. Yes, tidal waves of prosperity are crashing down all around us. Soon enough. You just wait. Hey, partner, what's the good word? There's a dead guy in room four. What? What do you mean there's a dead guy in room... Come in, come in. Did I hear what I think I heard? Has someone been killed? No. No. No, John, no. No. I have endured a cornucopia of trauma the last few years. I draw the line at living in a crime scene. Okay, nobody's been murdered, Mrs. Rose. I went into clean room four, and this old guy was, like, asleep in his bed. But, like, forever asleep. 
like checked out without paying to sleep. <laughs> There's a scene. There's a scene where Catherine O'Hara's character, you, you're asked, you, you're going to move out of your rooms to make room for this dead body, basically, in this same episode. And Catherine O'Hara's character, you declare that it's not possible because that you don't have the staff to rebox her wigs. Yeah. And she says they simply don't have the skills. <laughs> yes. But after she said they simply don't have the skills, you notice my son David raised his hand as if to say, I do know how to box a wig. But conversation went on. Uh, Eugene Levy, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for coming in. Well, it's this. a pleasure to be here. Eugene, did you pitch this to your son or did your son pitch this to you or was this like a weird Thanksgiving conversation? So when he came to me and said, uh, you know, I have an idea I've been thinking of. Do you want to work with me on it uh, for, for a t TV idea? I was really kind of shocked. I mean, I was more than shocked. But I thought, wow, what a wonderful thing this could be. So that's how I went into it as a wonderful father-son experience this is going to be just great you know and then i kind of woke up in a cold sweat one night uh uh and bolted up in bed thinking whoa 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 what if he doesn't have it what if he's not that good a writer you know once i realized that he can carry the ball and carry it better than i can uh I just stepped, you know, back. We started show running this thing together in our first year. And when I realized that he had all the skills and, you know, more skills in that department than I did to carry on with the show, then, then you know, by all means, he just, he uh, uh, took over in second year, took over the writer's room, and, and um, which was good for me because I didn't want to spend 10 hours in a writer's room every day. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been really, uh, really a lovely experience. When you were a kid and a teenager, did you think of your own parents as funny? Um, no, not funny, funny, like pro funny, like, like comedy funny. Uh, my mom was, um, was kind of, you know, quirky. She was born in Glasgow and she had, um, her personality was funny. Your mother was from Glasgow. My stepmother is from Belfast. And I feel like there is something particular about the sense of humor of a person who has grown up where it is always dark and cold. Like, not like cold, 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 but just I mean, the way that it is today in Los Angeles. Just there's never quite enough light and there's always a little bit too much water. There's no, oh, in Belfast. Yeah. And yeah. I think the well, same in Glasgow to some extent, I right? think, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Glasgow's not, I think it's the weather there is not, you know, it's not, it's not Greece. Um, but I think that's the, the, I think that's probably the, uh, the, the, uh, the view that, that most Americans have of Canada, actually, that it's just this cold, bleak place. And why do so many funny people come out of Canada? Um, when in reality... It's, yeah, it is kind of cold and bleak. I mean, it, there's no getting around that, but the sun does shine every now and then, and, and it does get hot, and, you know, and if you love humidity, that's a that's a good thing, too. But, you know, it ain't California. <laughs> well, I think there's, to some extent, when it's beautiful outside, you don't have to be interesting. You can just, 
go and go to the beach or whatever. No one has to entertain yeah. each other because everyone is just soaking up rays and quaffing a brew. Yeah. Well, it's hard to believe that really funny people actually came from Southern California. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You know, when it's cold and rainy outside, you got to do something to, you know, to uh, entertain or to keep things going. I think that's probably um, sort of depression's role is to really to darken the heart of a southern young young child from Southern California that they may grow up to be yeah, funny. Yeah. Well, something has to kick in to make them, you know, funny. Comedy comes out of, you know, how many comedians have said that come out come, comes out of a kind of a dark tragic place and that's not 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 always true because it's, it's I mean it's, it certainly wasn't true in my case but then again maybe I'm not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not. Um and actually, I'm not. That's the, the as a, oh, you know. Give me a, a give me a break, no. Eugene. Hey, Hold on. Hey, wait. No, no, no. Hi, no. I'm here. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm here with not no, that no, funny comedy no, legend, no, no. Eugene I, no, Levy. No. I can I, I, no, but you know what I'm saying as a person. When I'm around my funny friends, I'm laughing all the time. Uh that's basically it. I do the laughing. They do the comedy. You know, but I'm I'm not as a as a as a kind of a person. I don't grow up thinking, "Ooh, what's the funniest thing I can think of now?" I I don't turn everything into a comedy, you know, into a comedy bit. People that think funny do that. That's their that's why they're you know they're being paid to do that. I mean, I never had the guts to go into stand up comedy. I went into improv theater, where if I'm going down. I want to take some people with me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back in just a second. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, my guest is Eugene Levy. He's a brilliant actor who co-created the sitcom Schitt's Creek. That's S-C-H-I-T-T. He won an Emmy for his role in the show. Now he is the host of the new travel series, The Reluctant Traveler. That's streaming now on Apple TV+. Let's get back into our conversation. I want to play a sketch from SCTV, uh, which you were one of the stars of, obviously. And um, I think this is both one of your great, um, one of your great straight man performances and also just one of the funniest sketches just the end, one of the funniest sketches. <laughs> um, it's called Half Wits. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I I read secondhand that you wrote it, but is, was, is that the case? Uh, yes, I did. I wrote uh, wrote all the Half Wits. Um, and the character that I did, which was kind of an Alex Trebek. Yeah, his um, name's like Alex Tremaine or something Tre- like that. Alex Trebell, yeah. I think we, we called my character so nobody would know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and originally, we, there was a sketch on uh, an SCTV in our first season, I believe. It was called High Q. It was a high school game show that where I played Alex uh, Trebell. Um, and that was written by Catherine O'Hara. Uh, where the host kind of loses, you know, loses it as the as the, the the contestants were just so insane and so ridiculously dumb that he would he would just lose it and go insane. So that was written by Catherine, and then I came up with 
you know, halfwits based on the same host, Alex Trebell, and the same premise that it's the contestants that are driving him nuts. I mean, it's a, it is like literally the simplest sketch premise you could possibly have, which is instead of being smart, the contestants are dumb. Um, the category in this, uh, it's like it's set up like Jeopardy. And the category that we're about to hear is European cuisine. I'm looking for one culinary dish from each of the following countries. First, Italy. Italy? Um, could it be cheese omelets? Cheese omelets. Unbelievable. No, I'm sorry. That answer is incorrect. Alex. People, do not wave your hands. Use your bells. Please use your bells. Use your bells, please. Thank you. Darren Peel. Is it Sparabs? Sparabs. No, I'm sorry. That answer is incorrect. I'm looking for a dish from Italy. Lawrence Orbach. Swedish meatballs. Swedish meatballs. Lawrence, can I ask you a question? Where the hell do you think Swedish meatballs come from? Arthur Andrew Liggett. Spain? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was uh, really something. I... I uh, uh, the most fun to the most fun to play, obviously, are people that aren't the sharpest pencils in the drawer. And I got a chance to do what I love doing: reacting off those funny people. You, I mean, what, what I love about watching it—I I just watched it before we walked in here—is the specificity of each dumbness. Like <laughs> each each cast member has finely honed a very particular type of idiocy. Yeah, well, degrees of confidence, <laughs> I think. It's yeah. in terms of how dumb they are and how confident they are and how dumb, not dumb, they think they are. I grew up loving the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, Celebrity Jeopardy sketches, which are the same premise. And I was gratified to read... Uh, yes, one might call that... A lift? <laughs> Let's call it an, an homage. Yes. Well, that was the Norm. That was the Norm Macdonald uh, thing. That you know that whole thing that came out where you know the that the, where Norm admitted that in a that in a pitch he pitched the idea for this game show, one where he does Burt Reynolds and that yeah. thing where the, the contestants are dumb and the, yeah. And he said, and I knew it was right right off uh, half wits from. From SCTV, but I didn't care because it was funny. <laughs> he also and he he admitted that. In, he he in also his... claims he waited for Martin Short mm. to be a guest on the show, uh, so he could run it by him before they started doing That's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it was an homage. <laughs> um, how did you end up in the Second City in Toronto? Uh, well, I auditioned for it. The second city was, uh, came up from Chicago and decided to open a theater in, in Toronto. Had you already uh, done sketch or, uh, improv comedy? No. Well, I, I kind of got a taste of it. You know, it's funny, uh, that, you know, about two years before second city opened in Toronto, I was doing a movie... It was actually my f 
first movie that I had done. I was like right out of school. It was called Cannibal Girls. And it was Andrea Martin and myself and some Toronto people. And Ivan Reitman was was uh, producing and directing. I went to school with Ivan and we were friends. And, um, uh, and it was an improvised movie and not, not, not improvised well. Um, but it was an improvised movie. So we got a bit of experience and kind of working off an outline and then, you know, and then doing that improvising. Um, and also on the side, once we started, when we started that movie, uh, about four, four of us, Andrea Martin and two Toronto actors that were in the movie, we decided to form an improv company. Um, and so we'd rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. We never performed anywhere, <laughs> but we, we would get together and rehearse, not knowing what really we were doing. Had anybody it, in the group had any like, training? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, and that's the key point here. No training, and and ending up with an end product not very good. So Second City, yeah, Second City. Well, auditioned for Second City and got in. We all that's where I I uh, uh, that's where I met John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, uh, Valerie Bromfield, and uh, uh, so. Uh, that was the start. And once we get into Second City, I realized that this is once you learn the rules, the ground rules, the comedy rules, that that's when everything started to take shape. Um, uh, that was the best uh, school of comedy for writing or performing. It must have been an incredible feeling to feel like you were really doing something. Especially when comedy is so inherently, you know, it's one of those things uh, that you have to convince people is a job. You know what I mean? If you're talking to yeah, someone. Yeah, well, you're just funny. How much work can it be? Right. I mean, how much work can it be if you think you're funny and you're funny? Then you can be funny. You don't have to. How much work does it actually take? We worked so hard. We were working so hard. That was one of the great things of, of, of in this realization that that what you were doing is actually great is because we were working so hard. We were just, you know, the hours put in, you know, writing and we were shooting and writing at the same time, kind of, you know, um, uh, long hours. And but, uh, you know, we were young and and. Uh, we didn't mind the work and the hours. We loved it. We loved what we were doing. But when that realization, when that lightning bolt came and it finally, wow, this is paying off in major dividends because the product is truly great. It's difficult to understand for folks who, I'm I'm like on the cusp of this, but like for folks who grew up with infinity cable channels and now, literally, infinity sources of entertainment on the internet. How miraculous and special it was for people to see SCTV on their TV at one o'clock in the morning. Well, I think it was um, unbeknownst to us, because at the time the show came on the air, initially, for the first three or four years, we were just basically going in, kind of doing the show, having a good time, going home and having dinner. We weren't even aware, I think it was in our second season or maybe third season, 
that the show went into syndication. We got syndicated to about 40 markets in the in the states. And but we had no idea people were even watching the show. Um until we started reading reviews uh, about the show and we we thought, "Oh my god, they're watching this in Dallas? Oh wow, that's incredible. Wow." My producer Kevin is so excited about this clip that I cannot not play it for you. Um and in fact, I think what I will do is I'm going to play this clip. It's of you, my guest, Eugene Levy, and maybe you will recognize it. Maybe you will not. I'm interested to know. The don't mess with my bike hole. Hey, man, what are you doing on my street? No, I'm going to pretend you're just lost or something, daddy-o. Give you till three to beat it or you get stomped. Okay? One? Uh, what comes after one? Okay, okay. One, three, now burn rubber, kid! Wow. I don't have a clue. I First of all, I want to give you credit for really selling some material that may not be the strongest you've ever worked with. What comes after one? Career. <laughs> what comes after one? See, the, the character is dumb, so he it doesn't know the number after one. It had to be uh, many, many years ago because I learned... You can actually fight to give yourself better lines. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is it an animated thing? No. This is a Philips CD interactive game, which was a video game and and like uh, it was like a CD-ROM based sort of educational video game system that you could rent at Blockbuster Video. And it's a game called The Wacky World of Miniature Golf with Eugene Levy. Oh, yeah. You had you had title credit in there. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe I told him to add the word wacky. <laughs> uh after uh after seeing the material. Um I don't yeah, I remember that. The wacky world of miniature golf. And it was well, yeah, it was a game, but I oh my God. Well, listen, you know, it's work. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking of when I saw this. Eugene Levy has never stopped working. You you work hard. You get gigs and you do them. Well, sometimes you just have to do things that you know. I don't know. Yeah, that was that. I did another thing uh, up in Canada. Uh, Eugene Levy discovers home safety, and it was just like the same kind of thing. Little vignette things about safety that I was done in a day or like an afternoon. A lot of stuff, moving fast, uh, and a lot of setups. I, you know, I just, you know, they're not, they're not on the uh, bookshelf. You know, they're not, they're not out anywhere. Um. Now, if you are you familiar with a website called YouTube.com? <sighs> People are typing in Eugene Levy's oh home safety. What was it? I can't remember. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I I don't was it home? No, no, no. I maybe it was not, maybe maybe it was another safety thing. Maybe it was car safety. No. Anyway, don't go looking for it. My interview with the great Eugene Levy continues after the break. He'll tell me why he turned down American Pie before he said yes. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. 
2-0 Ross and Karen, free beef and dairy all day. Max Fun Drive. Hey, chef, we got another one. Another Max Fun Drive. People know it's the best time to support the shows they love. You tell them our meetup day is back? Sure did. They wanted to know about the live streams, though. Those are finishing up right now. We can even send one out on the first night, March 20th. March 20th, chef! I'll give them a heads up. Uh, They also wanted the limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members. Yep, and we got some fresh episodes ready to go too. All right, we got exciting live streams, meetup day, fresh episodes, limited time gifts. Oh, and Boko. Yeah, um, okay, let them know that Max Fun Drive 2023 will be ready on um, March 20th, and it'll only be two weeks. Two weeks, chef! Max Fun Drive starts on March 20th for just two weeks. No problem. Order up! Shoot, I forgot their water. This is Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the great Eugene Levy. So you reached a new level of fame, particularly in the United States from the American Pie movies. And I get the impression that you actually had some voice in your character when it came to you. Yeah. Because I can't imagine what it would be like. I mean, retrospectively, you say, oh, like American Pie, that's a generational touchstone. That's one of the biggest comedies of all time, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, no. But like on the page, it's just a bunch of weird sex situations. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I can't. I, 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 um... My manager had sent the uh, script in. I looked at the script. So I said, no, I don't want to go in. And finally, it was like I credit my ma- my ma- my then manager, who must have called me like eight, ten times just to say, you should take the meeting. You're, you're the only adult in the movie. That's what it came down to. You're the only adult in the movie. And, and uh, you know, this is a good th- thing. And they just want to meet you. And, uh, and so I said, finally, I said, okay. I said, all right, I'll meet them. So I went down and I met... Paul and Chris Weitz, and uh, and uh, we talked about the thing, and and I said, well, listen, here's the thing, guys. I I don't I I just I don't like the the part. I don't like the role of the dad. I just it's not doing much for me, and it's a it's a really raunchy movie. Listen, I'm sure you guys will do a great job, and it is. And they said, please, please. What don't you like? I said, I don't like anything about it. They said, well, what would you change? I said, I, I'd like to change everything. So they said, well, well, you know what? Now, this is, they're shooting like in two weeks. And I said, uh, they said, well, next set, come in on set. Would you be willing to come in on Saturday with Jason Biggs, who's playing your son? And we can go through the scenes and just, we can improvise. I said, yeah, okay, okay, all right, all right. So that's what happened. We came in and we started from scene one and we just kind of improvised these scenes and it was, and it felt, good it was like fun working for me it was kind of funny and they were laughing and you know it was it was great so then at the end of that they said what do you think this is what this this is what this is what this can be now and i said okay so that was that uh i started the movie and the first day i got to the set Normally, you get pages, you get what they call sides, um, which is the script, uh, the scenes that you're shooting that day, and they're miniaturized so that you can put them in your pocket. And I said, I didn't have any sides. And, and they said, oh, well, there, there must be, I'll, let me check with the directors. And then, the, and then the AD comes back and says, oh, there are no sides for the day. So I went up to Paul and Chris, uh, and I said, 
there aren't any sides for the scenes. And they said, oh, well, we thought you could just do them the way you did them last week. <laughs> I said, so nobody, nobody wrote out what we were doing last week? And they said, no. So um, that was trying to then, so literally the stuff we were doing on the set was, was kind of a, an extension of the improvisation that we, that we did the week before. I want you to continue to do them once a year forever. Like, that's very important to me. Well, I haven't I, seen any of the later ones, to be frank. However, it, I think it's so great that they continue, that, like, they're, that you, like it's like going to summer camp for you or something. Like, uh, once every two years, yeah, you show up on set. Yeah, it was all right. It was, it's, you know, it's... It's sequels are kind of, you know, weird. You're, you're in, it's, it's all very enticing because everything goes up, all the money goes up and everything else. And that's, that's great. American reunion. The last one, the last feature <clears throat> that was done was I think done with the same degree of, um, you know, taste, if you can use that word for American pie, but it was, it, it had the same sensibility as the very first one. The, the, um, they, they really tried to, uh, yeah, to do it right. To, to do it right and bring back all the characters, which they did. Um, but, you know, the kids now, I think the next one will be, you know, Jim's dad has the big stroke. <laughs> That's the one I can't wait for. Eugene Levy, thank you so much for taking all this time to be on Bullseye. It was so great to get to talk to you. Uh, well, this was a lot of fun. It was fun driving through uh, rush hour traffic and on a Friday <laughs> at five o'clock. I got to say it was a lot of laughs. Thank you, Eugene. Thanks. Eugene Levy, you can stream his new show, The Reluctant Traveler, right now on Apple TV+. You'll learn a lot, laugh a lot. I just got a text from my producer, Kevin, that said, OMG, Eugene Levy's travel show equals so great. That's true. That's a true story. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created in the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. Of course, the best thing about Los Angeles, California, and there are a lot of good things about Los Angeles, California, is all of the free citrus. I just put a midnight Valencia orange tree into my backyard, along with a little lime bush. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellows at Maximum Fun are Tabitha Myers and Brianna Paz. We get booking help from Merritt Davis. Our interstitial music is composed and provided to us by DJW, the great Dan Wally. Our theme song is by The Go Team. It's called Huddle Formation. Uh, thanks to The Go Team. Thanks to their label, Memphis Industries. You can find Bullseye Interviews on YouTube. You can also find the show on Twitter and on Facebook. Follow us in all those places. We will share with you all the stuff we're up to. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.